Today sucks. This has been the worst day ever. Can't catch shad, can't catch catfish. I got rid of the nachos and my bang's warm. Through barrel. I've never actually read that box. Okay, alright. Ready? Okay, okay. All the cameras are going. Good. Started off with a cough. Perfect. Alright, everyone. Welcome to the Peeling Drag Podcast. I am Josh Dolan. And I am Grant Alvis. And uh, this is a revamp or restart of a podcast that we initially did, I think, in like 2013. Like five or six years ago. More yeah, than that, probably. 2014, something like that. Yeah, it's been longer than five or six years. We're getting old. But uh, needless to say, if we have stuck with podcasting back then, we may not be working our day jobs, but... We went ahead and let Joe Rogan and the podcast world explode, and we're still working. We were right there at his heels, right at the beginning, yeah. and then he pulled away. Yeah. If you uh, have ever seen our initial Peeling Drag podcast, which you probably haven't. It doesn't have very many views on YouTube, <laughs> but uh, it was very awkward and very stiff, and we didn't know what we were doing, and we thought we had a lot of stuff to say, but we really didn't know anything, so... Instead, I think we have about a decade's worth of knowledge on top of that, and we have a lot of stories and all that good stuff. So, should go that, a lot easier and a lot of, a lot more loose now. Yeah, we're not going to take it serious <laughs> at all. So, um, anyway, this is the Peeling Drag Podcast. It's part of the Have Rods Will Travel Podcast uh, Network. So, there's this podcast. There's Have Rods Will Travel. I do with David Graham. Uh, David Graham has his own podcast, Boundless Pursuit, and I have a podcast I do solo called Species Specific, where we just talk about uh, individual species and chasing trophy fish and that sort of thing. So um, there's plenty out there if you uh, want to search for it and see maybe what your flavor is. But are we going to leave the old podcasts up? Yeah, the old podcasts are on... That'll be a nice compare and contrast for everybody. Yeah, they're on the uh, Have Rods Will Travel YouTube. These will be... We were all wedged in that little room in your old house. Yeah, yeah. I was in a... We were in a room that was about as wide as this table, and we had to sit on the same side of the table together. Yeah, <laughs> so they're like very awkward, like two, uh, like a couple sitting beside so each other. Today we're going to talk about ring perch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very embarrassing if you go back and look at it now but um i don't know it's just weird like like a couple sitting beside each other at a booth at a restaurant it was very weird it was awkward but anyway this is going to be a little structured um we're going to kind of go through segments as we do this thing uh and then we'll either talk about specific topics um listener questions if you have them um but our main focus is probably going to be just telling fish stories and all the ridiculous stuff that's happened over the years until we run out of those, and then we'll find something else to talk about. We're but not going to run out of them. We're still fishing. Yeah, we're still goofy fishing. Goofy stuff still happens Still every making time. dumb things happen. Uh, making memories. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, but as we learned uh, the past two hours or so, we've been sitting here messing with all this stuff. Getting a podcast set up is incredibly challenging. So I watched a YouTube video on trying to set up audio, and none of it seemed to go right until I completely ignored the video and did it myself. So we're good. But anyway, I guess we'll kick it off with uh, our segment, just what's new in fishing news. What is happening now? Do you want to go first? Yeah. Let me see if I can remember the dude's name. I said I was going to remember it, and, you know, it was like three minutes ago, so I've already forgotten. Okay. Well, I'll go first. Yeah, you do that. I have two stories from the IGFA. Um, let's see. Uh, one is... Actually, both are... Well, one's fairly recent, and one's from 2020. So... We'll start with the story from 2020. The IGFA All-Tackle World Record for Almaco Jack uh, stood for over 55 years until May 28, 2020, when a man from Japan, I won't even begin to try to pronounce that, and I didn't practice it ahead of time. His last name is Musada. Go ahead and try it. Try and pronounce it and get us canceled right off the bat. Yeah, I, think, I, I mean, Kiyofumi Musada caught this massive... 136-pound Almaco jack, which, if you're familiar with jacks and the power of that uh, species an of fish, Almaco or an amber? Uh, Albaco jack. So, absolutely ridiculous. Interesting. Yeah, giant fish. So, that's pretty interesting. What's kind of strikes me is it only took him 15 minutes to land, which is, you know, for a 100- The crazy thing is that's an Almaco, like, when we catch up down there in North Carolina, like, you know, the amber jacks are you know, 60, 70, 80 pounds, whatever. But like an Albaco Jack, they're usually the nuisance ones that are like four pounds, six yeah. pounds. They're the ones that get eaten by Amberjacks on the way up. Well, I don't know if this one was a byproduct of Fukushima or something, but absolutely massive. And then my second story for the day, November 20th of 2022, Catherine Jones was fishing off a dock in Pungro Creek, North Carolina, when she landed... This massive 11-pound, 3-ounce speckled trout. And it uh, can potentially... Does she look really familiar to you? I don't know. Uh, I think she just looks like everybody's, like, aunt. Yeah, that's fair. But she potentially... She can potentially set the IGFA women's 20-pound line class world record, which, if you see that fish, that is an absolute gator trout. Yeah, that's huge. I hope she was fishing for it. How long was it? How long was it? Doesn't say. Doesn't say how long. It says 11 pound, 3 ounce, which is huge. It doesn't look like overly fat, the picture. I've, I've imagined that thing's like 34, 35 inches long. Yeah, I mean, if you really look at it, like the head of that thing is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, when they get that big, they start looking like a striper, like one third of their body length is head. Right. But once again, landed after a 15 minute fight. So 136 pound Almaco Jack and a 11 pound, 3 ounce <laughs> speckled trout both take 15 minutes to land. So, interesting. but Probably weren't caught on the same tackle. <laughs> no. But uh, the fish struck a live menhaden, and uh, she caught it, I think I already <laughs> said this, caught it off a dock in Pongo Creek. So, it's weird to have live bunker fishing off menhaden. the bank. Oh, yeah. Bunker, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I feel like it might just be one of those deals where she was at a vacation home and cast it out and, like, that video they're filming down in Outer Banks and the shark comes up. Oh, yeah, the shark eats the redfish. Yeah, right, yeah. Oh, my God, it's a shark! Yeah, you never know what's going to happen, so. Yeah. Um, But props to her. Uh, It's Catherine Jones. 
fishing in Pungo Creek, North Carolina. Congrats, Kathy. Aunt Kathy. Yeah. Somebody's aunt. The wine class stuff's interesting because it it opens the door for, like, so many different world records to be caught. Yeah, but, like, that thing is – the thing that I I saw that, too, because I remember that – I think I meant to talk to you about that. Um, What are the chances she was fishing with IGFA legal line? Mm, I don't know. Depends on well, I wonder if it's like, what if she was using like, let's say, Trilead XL that's like 15 pound. Mm-hmm. It doesn't test out for the 12 pound record or whatever, but yeah. it might test out for 20. Yeah, that's usually when I went down and I went to the because like I guess it doesn't have to be straight original 20 to qualify for a no, 20 pound record. No, as long as it as long as it qualifies somehow. So when I went to the IGFA headquarters uh, back in September, they take the line that comes in and they soak it in just distilled water for X amount of time, and then they test it, and whatever it tests out at. If it doesn't say you have 12-pound line, if it doesn't test out at 12, it might test for 15 or 20 or whatever. But So, like, way. if your record breaks, it's like if you turned in something on 8, your line doesn't test out for 8, but it does test out for 12? I think. I don't know, because it gets... I actually don't know the answer to that, because then it gets hairy, because you could just say there's a 50 pound right because you know how like the yeah. larger line classes it gets kind doesn't of it tough. stop at 20 then goes to all tackle mm, i don't really know with smaller species like that because it, there's it's like well, i know they got rid of the uh like the pan fish and stuff because that was stupid yeah. like 20 pound line class for yeah shad, when shad when i was doing the line class stuff for shad i think there was like a 12 a 20 and maybe like a 30 but i don't know there's 50 and 130 for like certain species but I don't know if you can use like eight and then just keep catching stuff on eight and turning it into other stuff. I think yeah. I might be completely wrong on that. I don't know, but anyway, that's my two stories. What do you have? Um, only one I really had was uh, if anybody keeps up with the bass fishing world uh, this time of year. In the last about three years, it's gotten ridiculous um, down in Texas and really all over the country, but mainly in Texas. Um, with their share lunker program and all that stuff. Uh, ever since, and I mean, people could say it's not, I, I don't really care what they say. Live scope has obviously changed the game with this wintertime fishing. Like everybody knows it has. And uh, these Texas lakes with the share lunker program, um, do a quick backstory. It all kind of really blew up about, I think it was, how long ago did live scope out? Like five years ago? Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah, yeah, it was like right after LiveScope came out, and originally the guys who were getting the most use out of LiveScope, and if you don't know what LiveScope is, it's a forward-facing sonar, literally a live image. It's radar, essentially, yeah. but you see, you can actively see your lure and the fish swimming around. Anyway, the guys who were getting the most use out of it was a crappy fishermen. They were going around on these lakes in Texas and Alabama and all these big, giant, crappy lakes, and they were finding schools of crappy in the wintertime and just instantly all these giant huge slab crappy were getting caught well one guy decided hey i see all these big fish swimming around these schools of crappy on my live like on a live scope and i think they're bass what do i need to do to catch big suspended bass in the winter time down south it never gets so cold that you really have to throw a jerk bait or any of those baits so the dude goes and gets somebody at a tackle shop rigs them up with an a rig alabama rig and he starts throwing it at these fish and like 
fourth or fifth day out there doing it, this guy catches like a 62-pound bag of five fish. Fast forward, it's been five years now. These lakes down in Texas, OHIV, Fork, all, all the big, huge lakes that are known for giant fish with this share locker program, all these guys are catching giants now. Well, it's getting more and more pressure every year, but this kid, Dalton Smith, uh, as far as I know and as far as everybody knows, managed to land two 14-pound fish in one day. And the crazy thing about it is it was they were essentially on separate trips uh, went out and caught a fourteen sixty nine in the morning. Well, it was the second day there. His buddy caught an eleven eleven the first day. The second day, they catch a fourteen sixty nine. They run the boat back to the boat ramp, go get it weighed in, get his pictures, get all the cert- like the certificates and everything for the share locker program. Release the fish, and not even fifteen minutes later, after at, they return to a different spot, and he catches another one. Yeah. Um, that's just nuts. I mean, that's got to say something about the share locker program. But the crazy thing is, for the past three or four years, all these fish have been getting caught on A-rigs. Big, yeah. you know, schooling bait rigs. This kid caught both of these fish on a 2.8-inch, I mean, a itty-bitty little swim bait. Yeah. It's that's pretty ridiculous. freaking nuts. Well, like, it's funny because, like, you think of all the times dudes catch, like, eight, nine, ten-pound fish on crappy jigs. Yeah. It just makes you think. But, you know, I think it was that guy you're, you're talking about and Josh Jones, uh, another big-time bass dude. He's what did he one. do, like a 60-pound bag like two weeks ago, yeah, three weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, ago? it's insane. These guys are catching teener bass. I, I think you told me the stat over the phone the other day. More. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Uh, I saw that on Texas Parks and Wildlife. They released a study last year that said in the last four years – and I think that de- that number four is specific due to when LiveScope came out. They yeah. didn't specifically say it, but in the last four years, more teener largemouth have been caught in Texas and registered and turned in than the previous 30 years combined. Right. So that that's not just Sherlunker. That's obviously yeah. something has changed. Well, I think like when you look at statistics like that, it kind of opens your eyes to realize that there's way more big fish out there than what people really realize. Yeah. thing is... Once those fish go suspended, they're almost impossible to catch unless you have something like that. Yeah, you, you don't know those fish are there. And even if you don't have live scope and you mark them on side scan and stuff, that's not accurate enough in the delay. You're not going to be able to find that yeah, fish. Yeah, I mean, that fish suspended is probably moving nine times out of ten. Yeah. And if you if you pass over him with static sonar, you know, your, your traditional... Yeah, you energy. just marked where the fish was at one point. Yeah. By the time you whip the boat around and get back to where that fish is, you don't but know yeah, where the hell he is. also have no idea what direction he's going either. Yeah. It's, it's something that I've been struggling with personally because I can't afford live scope yet, and I'm trying to catch a brown trout, and these brown trout are suspended in in a lake. Yeah. in which is 50, 200 feet deep. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> nah, it's, pro- it's probably like... 50 or 60, 70 foot deep, and they're suspended at like 25. Yeah. It's like, okay, I can try to do a workaround and use maybe a spider rig so when I see them, I can catch them. But it's just, live scopes opened up the door to potentially targeting and catching these giant fish that go offshore and suspend like that. And that's with all it's, species. It's not just bass. It's musky, it's trout, yeah. it's you know, these big panfish species. We were talking about the, one of the coolest videos we've ever seen with live scope was Aaron Weave on Uncut Angling, yeah. vertical jigging a giant Alabama rig jigging for musky. Yeah. And this was right when live scope came out. This it wasn't was, even an Alabama rig. It's literally like the offshore. It was a, like, it was one of those big, like three, rig. four foot wide umbrella rigs that he put big shadzillas on. Yeah. 
and he's jigging it, and you see plain as day on the screen, and this was right when it came out, so this yeah. is like the old live scope. Yeah. And it, I mean, you see it plain as day, fish turns broadside, it's like, that's a muskie, and he yeah. just T-bones it. It's yeah, the nuts. world of, of sonar is definitely opening the door to catching a lot more of these fish, but it's also making it difficult for kind of everybody, because those fish can't hide. I mean, literally, yeah. fish can't hide anymore. So you can't really get lucky yeah, anymore. I mean, it's, you have to sort of sharpen your sword and get good at this type of fishing if you want to catch these fish and keep up with everybody that is catching these fish. And the other thing that goes along with that is like the guys, it's the same idea as like guys in the flats and stuff using drones to find yeah. like redfish and tarpon schools. Like I, yeah. I have a little bit of an issue with that because like really the only defense those fish have is like the dark water and stuff. Yeah. And now when you get eye, like bird's eye view of yeah. them, that's, that's kind of... Yeah, I mean... There's no more hunting anymore. You're literally just like, let me just drive this around. There they are, boom. And I don't know. Yeah, a cat's out of the bag, for sure. I mean, it's you're not getting the toothpaste back in the tube. The technology is finally here. You know, we've been working with down imaging, side imaging, all that stuff for years now. 360 mega, I mean, we've essentially had the same general sonar. You know, side imaging came out about 10 years ago. Maybe 15 years. eh, Probably 10. Like 10. And, I, I think I had the first HDS unit on a kayak around here, at least, yeah. and that was probably now everybody. Now, I got, now people have live scope on kayaks. That was twenty fourteen. It maybe came out a year or two prior to that. So yeah. I had people at the boat ramp acting like I was crazy because I had a thousand dollar unit on a kayak, and now people have multiple of those. Yeah, people so. have a twelve inch live scope screen and a twelve yeah. inch HDS yeah. screen. Yeah, it's nuts. But with that being said, the world of you know panoptics and active target live scope all this stuff it's it's making it impossible for the fish to hide anymore but i think it's also like a double-edged sword though because like not only are they it's impossible for them to hide i still think it's gonna make them harder to catch in the long run because i mean perfect example when this live scope stuff first started in texas everybody was just catching them on a rigs yeah it was just go down to texas run your live scope unit throw an a rig there's the fish throw it if he doesn't bite it go to find another one now like this kid, Dalton Smith, he caught him on two and a half inch long swim baits, like an yeah. itty bitty little swim bait. Like, and I've been seeing these other companies now, they're still adamant about the A rig, but they're called it the Cure. It's the clear umbrella rig. It's an umbrella rig made out of 150 pound mono yeah. for the cross members and everything. So, anything you could do to disguise an A rig, because it sounds like these fish are getting wised up to an A rig. Like yeah. Josh Jones, that 60 pound bag he caught, those fish were called a swim jig. Yeah something different well i mean you rewind a couple years to when the a-rig came out it was the same deal yeah everybody's talking about how it's changing fishing we're getting better at catching these fish but every year that goes by every day that these fish spend in their ecosystem getting targeted especially on lakes like ohiv they're getting smarter yeah so yeah this technology is going to work really well right now but once these fish wise up and get even harder, I I'm mean, just, I'm just ready for like four years from now when Live Scope is on like the ninety nine dollar units at Walmart. Yeah, it'd be and nice. Everybody can catch. Everybody can have it. it by then. But no, I mean that's just the deal. You know, the the big thing comes around and everybody buys it. Everybody gets good at it, and the fish wise up and they get tougher to catch. Everything balances itself out. There's no magic pill to catching yeah. fish. The second you think you have it figured out and you have the edge on other people those fish are going to get harder to catch and then it's going to be back to kind of the same balance it is the guys that are spending every day on the water and really flexing that muscle and 
knowing what the fish want and how to catch yeah, them. I mean, you look at these guys catching these big ones. Like, you see a lot of the famous people catching them, but that's the thing. They're going there for, like, a week. Yeah. They're not just showing yeah. up, like, hey, it's Friday. Let's drive down to Texas, fish yeah. Saturday, Sunday morning, drive home. Yeah. I mean, you may catch one or two, but these guys are going down there for a week and catching, like, three. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, Live Scope is really good for, like, specific, you know, suspended fish yeah. or panfish, but, like, you guys fishing Kentucky Lake or the spotted bass stuff like yeah. that, but you're river fishing. It's still not going to be that helpful. No. I mean, your your shallow water stuff. It's really it's the thing that the thing that I don't agree with with bass and MLF as well is they're not fishing tidal water that much anymore. Yeah. they're pretty much sticking straight to lakes. And unless you're fishing Florida or like a couple of those lakes in Georgia where like the deepest points are like 15 feet. Yeah. You're, everybody's just going offshore now. I mean, yeah. everybody knows that's where those big fish go after the spawn. I mean, yeah. other than two months out the year, all those big fish aren't shallow anyway. Yeah. So that's why live scoops come out is you got to follow those fish offshore when they get done. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see like where all of this ends up five more years from now. And the electronics business is too big. You hear everybody, oh, our live scope should be banned. No. You know, Garmin, Lawrence, Mincota. Like not Minco, uh, Garmin, Lawrence, Humminbird, all the main depth finder companies. They they donate so much money, spend so much money to be sponsors of these events. Yeah, that stuff's never going to go anywhere. No, like it'll no. always the the electronics will just keep advancing. Like I said, dude, oh, everything balances itself out. The guys yeah. that are good at catching fish will be good at catching fish regardless, and the people that don't spend the time to get good are, are it's you're not. These guys out here that buy live scope and think they're going to unpack it and immediately start catching yeah. fish, it, you have a whole new. I mean, it's just like anything else. You have a whole new system to learn. Yeah. I forget so. his name. The last one dude got in on the MLF series. He's like one of the local guys. He qualified for an MLF tournament, mm-hmm. and uh, he was in a, like a 1990s Stratus. I, feel like like a, I remember that. But he had hardly any electronics on it, and everybody was like screaming, like, "Yeah, man, live scope, don't catch him!" I'm like. Yeah. Guys, this is one dude yeah. out of like, yeah. it's not like the it's... last 10 years right. we've got one of these stories. I'm not saying it can't happen, yeah. but it was one dude on his local body of water. Yeah, yeah he might not need live scope. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, well, we, we live on the James here in Richmond, and it's the same deal. You'll you'll have Mike Iaconelli and all these, these big names come down here yeah. to fish the tidal water, but the guys that – fish it regularly the local dudes they're the ones they're gonna i could i really the only big name that ever competes well down here but that's because yeah. it's like i think his wife is from hopewell i don't know he's got family he's got family to where he fishes the james a reasonable amount yeah. like throughout the year so when he comes here he <laughs> th- already has kind of like a milk run set up i think he has a pretty extensive like tidal water background yeah. too because he's from jersey i'm per- sure a lot of their stuff up there's probably yeah. tidal but I don't know, man. The James can be a hard one to, to really nail down, even if you do live in well, Fisher like every day. Well, two years ago, or was it three years ago, when he won or came in second? Now, he won the Northern Open recently. I, I think remember. it was, it might have been four or five years ago, but he actually didn't go to the Chick. Yeah. And almost everybody just runs all the way down to the Chickahominy because yeah. that's where they put all the Florida fish in. Mm-hmm. He actually never set foot in the Chick that week, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That I don't know if anyone's won a tournament in the James without running to the chick in a while. Yeah. I actually have a funny Mike Iaconelli story. And Harley, who's sitting in here with us right now, was a part of that. There's no camera or mic on her yet, but there will be eventually. We just don't have any money right now. <laughs> we can't afford to do that. But uh, Please like and subscribe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're, we're begging we're, you. We're poor. Help. No. 
Um, I think it was our anniversary or something. It was something like that. We were going out to eat. And uh, before we did that, we stopped at Dick's Sporting Goods out in Short Pump out here. Oh, I remember you telling me yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. This if, is a long time ago. If you don't know Virginia or Richmond, hopefully you don't, because that means you're listening from somewhere other than our neighborhood friends. <laughs> we have this part of Richmond. It's People want to think they're high class out here. They have a really indoor, out, fancy. I live in the West End. Yeah, the West End. The indoor, outdoor mall and all that stuff. But uh, there's a giant, like, double-decker dicks. <laughs> It's this huge. It's, it's a sporting goods it's, store. It's this huge double decker Dick Sporting Goods. It is probably one of the biggest ones anywhere. I mean, yeah. that one is huge. Yeah, it's like it's a huge Dick's. Like imagine, imagine if you had like an like a traditional indoor mall. This Dick's is like the size of the Dillard's yeah. or the Sears yeah, or the Macy's. It's, really it's big, massive. Really big Dick's. Anyway. We uh we went in. I don't know what we we might have just been walking around. I don't know, but uh, we we're like walking out to go like eat where we were gonna eat for whatever we were celebrating. I don't know, but I look and there's this dude there with his kid, and this is early on in my fishing career, so I thought I knew what I was doing. I didn't, but I oh my god, apparently I knew enough to judge other people without having any idea about them. I like walk by and this guy's got like a Snoopy rod, like just all this random stuff, like a Snoopy rod, a couple Craig baits, jig, like random stuff. I'm like, what is this dude doing? And just me being an idiot, I'm like, that dude doesn't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> like walk outside, and Mike Iconelli's like jacked up truck is sitting there I'm like broad boxes yeah, and all that yeah. crap and it truck. took like three seconds for me to realize oh shit that's Mike Iaconelli oh he does know what he's doing and like I turned to Harley and I'm like that was Mike Iaconelli like oh I'm like this is my first experience with like meeting someone yeah, I, like I remember you telling me about that he like comes out and I I'm like we couldn't figure out why he was at Dick's it was a northern open he was just He's sponsored by Dix. At least um, he was at that time. So I think he was probably like filling a quota or buying stuff for his kid. I don't know. He uh, definitely didn't deserve me judging him for no reason, but I definitely did that. I'm like, this dude doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's buying all this random stuff, you know. Real hotshot fisherman that has no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Anyway, he comes out. And I'm like, oh, cool. I walked over to him. I'm like, Mike Iaconelli. Oh, hey, man. And I, it just so happened that I read something that he wrote about like drop shot fishing. Yeah. Like that day. I'm like, oh, man, I just read an article that you wrote. He's like, okay, probably has no idea what I'm talking about. It was like on one of those Bass Resource websites. He probably just, they probably write stuff, and he just signs his name to it. He's like, yep, that's good. He had no clue. Just give you the paycheck. Yeah. But anyway, I'm like, oh, man, I read an article you wrote about drop shot or jerkbait fishing or something like that. I'm like, ah, oh, cool. It's so great to meet you. He's like, oh, hey, man, yeah, cool. I'm like, all right, see you later. <laughs> I just left. And didn't get a photo, an autograph, anything. I'm like, oh, hey, man, it's so great to meet you. Just read it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm with my kid. Like, can we go? I'm like, all right, see you later. And I have no proof I ever met him. So just super fun. I don't know. Just complete foot and mouth. <laughs> Look like an idiot. Yeah, so I learned my lesson there. I don't care yeah. people anymore. I saw he me. actually, uh, he's coming back to professional bass fishing. They're like, I don't know exactly how it is. I think yeah, did he retire or something? He retired from like the elite series, but I uh, think okay. he's planning on still fishing like certain opens. Like he fishes the Northern Open mm-hmm. right down the road every year, but right. I think he's gonna do like a bunch of guys do and just do the whole open circuit, mm-hmm. which he's got enough enough sponsors where he could like just drive around the country. You're and about do to it. save enough money. I mean, same thing. Yeah. Well, no. Now he's cool, man. I 
It doesn't matter how much money he's got. He's not paying for anything. Mike Iaconelli's loaded. No, <laughs> just kidding. Anyway. But, yeah, that's my story of meeting Mike Iaconelli and having absolutely no proof I ever met Mike Iaconelli. So, good stuff. But, mm-hmm. anyway, so I guess we'll move on from all this. Uh, you had a, a fishing tackle thing. Oh, we have yeah, we're going to uh, occasionally or may not be a every podcast thing because, who knows, new tackle doesn't always come out like left and right. But... As certain stuff comes about, we'll, if we feel like it's noteworthy, we'll bring it up. Um, Rod brand that we both use heavily, uh, Temple Fork Outfitters, just came out with, this is about eh, about a couple months ago, um, came out with their new line of bass rods. They've had, uh, they've had a couple lines of the Professional Series, which is like the more economical you know, hundred dollar rod series still has their lifetime warranty. Then you've got the tactical, which is a step up. Originally, those were the uh, Gary Loomis design blanks, and uh, now you've got the new series, the Resolve bass rods. And uh, they say bass, but they still have all you know saltwater grade components. Um, the only thing I was a little upset about is they don't have a short casting rod, like for a jerk bait rod, mm-hmm. or like around here a lot of times um throw a spinnerbait and do real close quarters spinnerbait fishing like you like something like a 6.8 or a 6.10 medium heavy pitching a spinnerbait like 20 feet working it through a tree and then just you know speed fishing they don't have something in that size but they got just about everything else um and they do have kind of a interesting size they call it a medium plus so you go from a seven foot medium to a seven foot medium plus then you go to a 7.3 medium heavy. The medium plus is just like an extra fast medium. But anyway, um, just some neat things about them. Uh, let's see if I can read down the uh, down the old features list here. I feel like TFO is coming out with a new rod line like every year. Um, Yeah, they're either coming out with new ones or they're redoing them. Because like... The professional series rods had they just got redone too, and they had they have literally been the same since I started working at Bass Pro yeah. like twelve years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, the resolves they're uh, they're actually the first rod series that is being made in their new factory. They just got a new factory in August in Texas, so these are a made in America rod. Um, they run two they write they're right around two hundred seventy dollars. Um, they're you know finest carbon fiber technology that you could get their new sea guides with stainless steel tangle free inserts um silicon nitride insert so they're the hardest lightest rigs available in the market and the same triple a cork grips um i think tfo is getting away from the wind grips um which doesn't bother me i'm not a big what is that with the wind grip fan like the rubberized kind of oh, soft yeah. ones I, yeah, I hate those. I like they're the okay in the winter time but in the summertime my hands sweat so i'm, I'm all right if they don't put Sweaty those bombs. on there yeah. spaghetti. <laughs> but uh they also uh one thing i like tfo has always been known for how they most of their rods are split grips and they have uh the colored butt section in between yeah. the two instead of like the neon colored butt sections we don't have a tfo in here right now i mean we have a fly rod yeah that's, that's tfo axiom 2x fly rod but anyway it's a 400 um, fly rod for decor yeah 
We got it like that. Yeah. But no, we're poor. No, we don't. <laughs> no. I have to take that off the wall. <laughs> yeah, when Josh wants to fish, we have to take apart the studio. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, instead of having the whole butt section a single color, they just went to like uh, little caps. So you've just got like a little yellow rig and like a beauty band on the uh, rod blank, which I like. It's a lot cleaner look. Do you have a photo of it? Yeah, I'm looking for it. Hold on. That might be challenging considering I'm going blind. So, but, uh, yeah, so you can see the tip of the rod. You see how they just have the little beauty band oh yeah, there? Okay. Yeah, okay. And then uh, trying to see if the, uh, yeah, see, look at the butt section. You just oh, have, that's the, cool. yeah, you yeah. have the colored metal rings yeah. that slide on the blank. solid. Oh, yeah, and the actual butt is the color, too, like the cap. Oh, yeah. So that's okay. kind of yeah. a nice, yeah, yeah. clean look to them. And uh, just from the pictures, it looks like they've got a lot higher grade cork and one thing a lot of people don't pay attention to but they they tip the ends of each section of cork with foam yeah i love that if yeah. you're from the bottom like when you have a split grip you don't want to have that hard edge of cork because it starts crumbling mm-hmm. um you put that little foam disc up against the end of the cork it's and like that's yeah it it basically anything that bumps into the rod or anything over time as you grip that would make it like crumble or get weak that foam absorbs it and mm-hmm. that's one of the best things you can do well jokes on you i never take the plastic off of yeah. my cork so i only discovered that cork has plastic over it like two years yeah. ago so i've been fishing with all my cork handled stuff with the josh okay. has rods that are missing guides but the cork still looks brand new yeah it's fine <laughs> but you know whatever living you learn so know. yeah I mean, new uh tfo resolve bass rods they uh they look really solid i think uh I'm going to order one, probably the seven foot medium spinning rod. What's I need a new. Um, they go all the same as the rest. So they they, they do like go up to an extra heavy. They have a swim bait rod. rod. Not like traditional, like big swim baits, but yeah. they have like an A rig rod and yeah. a. Uh, here, let me look. I've got all the. That's legit. So, yeah, seven, well, a seven six heavy, but it's rated to two ounces. So, that's yeah. big. Yeah, you can go a lot with that. And they have. The frog and rod would be the seven two heavy because that's the fast. The seven right. four heavy is a moderate. So, that's the flipping rod. Gotcha. Well, yeah. the good thing about TFO, they all have the lifetime warranty with them. Yeah. So, if you're anything like me and you break your stuff constantly, or like the last time you and I fished together, break your rod Jesus. tips yeah first they, first fishing trip together of the year literally, literally january, january 1st one. Yeah, yeah yeah getting ready to go fly fishing trying to catch uh trout i need a trophy brown trout i need a brookie that's for the virginia angler recognition program We're sitting there getting our stuff ready to go fly rods ready to go not even under pressure or anything like it's not like i had this thing no, we had the rods like strewn across like the bed of my truck yeah and i guess he just bumped it the rod like just fell into the bed like has happened a thousand yeah. times before and he goes to pick his rod up and two inches broke off the yeah. tip of the fly rod somehow don't even know how it happened mind you the reel fell into the bed yeah it wasn't the tip the, the tip didn't even the hit. reel just it just went dunk, like fell two feet not even two feet so like a foot and a half before i even made my first cast into the new year broke a rod. Broke <laughs> rod so i'm starting off really well phenomenal know? yeah typical but I don't know. Well, speaking of the new year, what's your, like, fishing goals for this year? Like, what are you uh, trying to accomplish? Do you have anything, like, forefront of mind? That- the two immediate ones. I want to get a brook trout and a white perch. That'll be – that's just two of what I would consider out of the 30 species left in Virginia. Like, of oh, the 30 species we have in Virginia, I think out of the ones I have remaining, the brookie and the white perch are probably the two easiest. Yeah. I don't think hybrid stripers would be that hard. I think it's just a timing yeah. thing. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, those two are pretty hot on the list. And then same thing for the last couple of years. I want a 15 pound snakehead. Yeah. Uh, but, we'll clarify real quick. So when he says he wants a brookie or a white perch or a hybrid striper, he's, we've caught all of those. It's just Virginia has an angler recognition program where they set certain parameters. Per yeah, trophy species. requirements, right. basically. So length and width size requirements. So. Yeah. You're setting – you have level four now, don't you? Yeah, I've got 21. Yeah. So, he's, so every five species you catch – this is different species um, – you get a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you catch all 30, that's level six. Right. No one's done that yet. There's one level five. Yeah. You're only one away yeah. from level five right. to be the second so, person to ever do it. Yeah, so it's just – it's something that gives – or fishing kind of a direction or purpose. Yeah. So I talk more about that stuff in our separate podcast, species specific, if you want to tune in to listen to all that. But basically it's just a, it, the Virginia Angler Recognition Program, Master Angler Program, whatever you want to call it. There's a bunch of different states that do something like that. I think ours is... Ours is probably the most diverse out of all of them. I mean, we have we literally go from... Musky I mean, to... Fall fish. Blue cats, literally everything. Fall fish... Yeah. Large, large we've got 30 animal. different freshwater species. Yeah. I mean, gar, bowfin, yeah. I mean, native species that are introduced species. And I mean, it's, they really, it's a shame they don't pay a little bit more attention to it and do better with it. But yeah. we have one of the most, I mean, there's nowhere, we live just outside of Richmond. So yeah. there's nowhere in the world you could drive two hours east and catch 100 pound cobia yeah. and, literally the largest redfish on the planet yeah and then drive two hours to the west to catch a native brook trout and musky yeah i mean it, yeah we're we're in a very fortunate it's like the most diverse fishing area anywhere right. freshwater so needless to say our our angler recognition program is pretty unique and a lot of the species or like requirements for the species are bigger than some of the places that are known for the individual yeah some of ours are a little ludicrous oh well, like <laughs> the brown trout that's tormented me for years now our trophy requirements for the brown trout are five pounds or 25 inches yeah michigan's trophy standards are like 20 inches or something yeah, and it's they ridiculous. have like lake run fish yeah they yeah. have legitimate like 30 plus inch brown trout up there and i don't know it's 25 inches for a brown. I mean, there's like an eight-part YouTube series of these guys that live in Montana. It's called yeah. The Quest for the Two-Footer. They're just trying to catch a 24-incher. Yeah. 24-incher doesn't even do it in Virginia. Yeah. Like, you, you got to catch a 25. Yeah, it's 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 a challenging thing. Like, if I were starting today, I would really, like, if I had no trophy species caught at all and I looked at that list, I would really want them to adjust the size requirements. But at this point, like. I mean, with, even white perch. Like. Yeah, thirteen inch white perch is gigantic. I That's mean, huge. And everybody and their brothers would be like, "I've seen a thirteen inch. Well, I know where you can catch it." Like, no, you haven't. Yeah. Like, every white perch you think is a citation is not. Like, it's. But it's always the guys that have no idea are the ones that catch a thirteen inch. Well, white it's like perch. we said the other day. I was like, if I can, like, the reason I hate white perch, and I, I hate them, I, I hate them. I only ever have had any experience white perch fishing where I catch them as bycatch, so I'm shad fishing, just out there trying to have a good time, just whack on some shad with the fly rod, and guess what? A white perch hits, and it's just like, oh, let me strip this thing in and waste my time unhooking it, and just dumb. I I can't stand them. Or a long time ago when we used to be able to use herring for bait. Let me jig for herring, catch all my herring. No, I caught 87 white perch in one herring. It's just annoying. And now it's like, okay, you have to catch the fish you hate, and eventually I'm going to catch it, 
and no one's gonna care because it's a white person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even gonna it's care. The downside about like <coughs> trophy species or doing like a master angler list like that is there's stuff that's fun to fish for: musky, flatheads. Well, like the brook trout, I legitimately enjoy trout fishing. Yeah. I hate that I'm gonna have to go to some BS pay stream to catch yeah. a giant brook trout. Yeah. That's the other thing is some of our trout citations, like the rainbow trout, totally fine. Yeah. Like 22 inches, three pounds. Four pounds. Four pounds still. That's not like... 22 inches or four pounds. That's yeah. reasonable. Yeah. Like, you could catch a... I feel like a couple trips down certain rivers, you could one. catch a wild one yeah, that big. Right, right, right. But then they have the brook trout. 16 inches or two pounds. Yeah. If I big. catch a 16-inch brook trout in a wild brookie stream in Virginia, you'll... I'll, I'll retire. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. That'd then, be the greatest fish I've ever caught in my life. Like we said, the brown is just ridiculous they're five like pounds, it's a shame inches. how they're basically almost forcing you to chase the stocking truck yeah. which is not Virginia fun. is good for trout fishing but it's not that good no. <laughs> like like the only place if i try to catch a brown trout like right now you had a gun to my head go catch a trophy brown i wouldn't know where to go i mean i do there's two streams in the entire state of virginia where you have a realistic chance there's a couple of lakes but like i said live scopes needed <coughs> or you basically have to be a truck chaser and try to do the stocking stuff and yeah. that that comes with its own like paint. set of yeah like you're fishing around other people it kind of just ruins and then you talk to the people for like 10 minutes they're like yeah i'm coming back tonight and cast that knees <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. great i've physically seen this kid i went to a stream that was stocked the day prior and like as it was getting dark this kid is in like a tree, a tree, yeah. ninja stancing, trying to snag them. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's and then like once you do catch one, they look like they went through a meat grinder. So it's yeah. just, it's like you don't even want to catch a stocked one. Right. I'm I'm getting into dangerous territory here, in which the four browns I've caught that have been close have been like gorgeous fish. Like the fins are. You're gonna catch the most just yeah. That's what I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be so mad. But like. I've caught three or four fish that are within a half an inch of trophy size for Virginia. One was beautiful pink brown trout. Another one blue cheeked brown trout. Took a photo in the snow. The snow. That's still like the best fish. Best photo, photo I've, I've ever taken. taken. A butter stick brown, completely yellow, and then one that was orange and just lit up. I've caught all four color patterns of the browns. All the fins have been immaculate. Still haven't caught yeah. a trophy, and I'm mad because like I know I've taken all these great photos of brown trout, and I can't use those for my trophy. And I know what's gonna happen, so I'm gonna catch that some, one. You're gonna catch you're gonna have like gills exposed. I'm gonna catch gonna some dumpster fins. pig, yeah. and it's yeah, it's gonna like be half zombie. And I'm this is like lesions the one, all over it. Yeah, this is the one that I'm gonna have to like try to be proud of. So what you need is apparently is fish eye works yeah, with brown trout yeah, because it's a, on one. I have a some decor sitting on the table here and it was given to me for Christmas. Apparently this brown trout is staring at a northern bike right now. It's a brown trout with a literal camera strapped to it with like a watch (laughs) band. It's just a gag gift but it's funny. I've actually never sat and looked at the box but it It has a fish scented lens cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just this gag gift of like sending like strapping of actually it's funny because it's a gag gift of a camera strapped to a fish and that was like all the youtube rage two years ago. yeah there were guys like doing doing that that, so it's like yeah okay well we i think we know where we are in 2023 (laughs) we're jumping the shark for the likes yeah so that's where we're at but 
Yeah, so needless to say, the angler recognition program in Virginia can be a little difficult at times, but anyway. So you need a brookie, you need a white perch, you need a hybrid striper. I think we're all kind of on the same page there. You said you want to get a 15-pound snakehead. 15-pound snakehead. Which is a giant. Yeah. That's gigantic. What is your biggest to date right now? 1391, I think is what it was. Because my dad's got one just smaller than that, 1380-something. Yeah, so... I've caught a couple 12-pounders myself, like maybe two tops, I think, or maybe high 11s, close to 12. I don't weigh them that much. I'm not a huge snake. Is that one you uh, that one you caught with me that you've got marked out there on your map? That one was like 33 inches. Wasn't yeah. it? That, yeah, that was, was your first big. double digit, I think. Mm-hmm. That one was huge. That one, and then I caught one uh, last year kind of on accident that was... Uh, it was heavier, but not as long. Yeah. So we're, that was the one that like you thought was a 15 pound bow fit about to destroy oh, yeah. the buzzbait. Yeah. Yeah. We have this one bank that we fish uh, out on this tidal river, and it, it's all stumps and everything. And I thought we've got that video of me catching that bow fin there. Yeah. So that would, if you go to our YouTube channel right now, there's a marsh monsters, marsh or something. monsters, or monsters in the marsh. Yeah. It's a video of us uh, fishing for snakehead and bowfin, and Grant catches a mondo bowfin on yeah. there, and I called the shot. I was like, "There's one on this bank. I missed him the day prior." We've caught like a dozen off that bank yeah. too. So I, I throw this buzzbait up into the weeds, and I'm pulling it out. It's lower tide, so that some of the stumps are exposed, and there's just this wake of sheer terror and it comes out typically flat. those really tall wakes if you have a big big like bowfin have that broad head they have that big forehead on them and they're they're snakeheads have like a shovel kind of to their head real flat where bowfin have that big rounded broad head it's like a torpedo yeah when they when they're coming like i've seen a few forward. i've seen a few of them where that looks like a whale trying to eat a seal yeah. like the the frog gets sucked under like the the yeah. front of the wave yeah. and they like never leave yeah. they never leave the water the frog just gets sucked under and they yeah. just swim through it and they've eaten it yeah but that's what happened here through this buzz bait this thing comes out obliterates it it's like a 12 pound yeah, he thought he had a huge bowfin which he would have been way more pumped about yeah well bowfin are cool because like snakeheads are kind of derpy like they'll swim yeah. out they'll try to hit your bait they'll miss it and then they'll come back for it and it's kind of like blue ball and you almost yeah. it's like okay cool well that <coughs> Bowfin don't do that. Bowfin see a bait they want to eat. They wake and it's yeah. like a heat seeking missile. They Har- don't miss. Harley and I were fishing twenty eighteen or nineteen. Same deal. Same exact bait. Throwing a buzz bait. Bowfin saw it, and there was enough time between me seeing that fish wake behind the bait to turn to her to go, "Hey, look at that!" For her to look at it, see it. And then the fish hit. Yeah. Once they lock on, they're not giving up. So. And they're they're a lot faster too. Like you'll, I mean, I like both things. You have a little bit easier shot sight casting them yeah. too, because like you'll see them laid up on grass or on the mud, mm-hmm. and you could just flip something in front of them and tease them a lot of times. But yeah. like when they're cruising, um, I mean, I've some of the cypress swamps and stuff that I fish for them. I mean, one of my favorite things to throw for them was a bluegill swim jig. Yeah. And you just always have that rigged up and you'll just see them cruising next to the tree and you flip it in front of them, reel it past their face. And it's just like, and slam. Yeah. Like yeah. they, they don't second guess a bait. As long as you right. don't spook them, they're going to crush it. Yeah. Snakeheads are kind of like a vanity thing. Like you, you do it because they're fun to catch, but it's kind of like the hot button thing right now. We, they like, miss so often too. Like it's right. just, I mean, you'll have them sometimes. I mean, if you get a snakehead that's like really hot, I mean, that dude will come up and goosh, 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 like hit the bait five, six times and never get it. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, 
they're challenging. But if you get a big one, they're fun. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't fight super good. They the thing about if they're like less than eight pounds, they don't really do much. They, they kind of just roll real, and man. come. It's right all about the, the like two seconds before it's about the eat. Snakehead it's, fishing is like the wake and the eat, and after the hook set, it's like okay, cool, I caught one. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Bowfin are just a tear from the second you see them to the second you get them back. Even the you water. get them in the net, they're just rolling they're and exploding. Yeah. yeah, they're they're all bone. I mean, they're they're a cool species. So I'll, I'll take bowfin over snakehead ten times out of ten. But I don't know. They're they're just a fun thing to fish for. You you yeah. filmed a, a thing that came out literally yeah. today or yesterday. Yesterday. So just yeah, it just came out. Uh, the Breaker Brothers. They're a. Uh, Two pair of brothers that they a pair of brothers. There's just two brothers that went around the um the Chesapeake Bay in seven days. Um, really cool, really cool uh like format how they did it. Um, it got entered into the Fly Fishing Film Festival and ended up getting picked up. So that'll be in the festival this year. But um, they started it and it wasn't really fishing the bay. It was fishing the the watershed. So they started up in Pennsylvania. Worked their way down. They fished twice in Pennsylvania. Then they went to uh, West Virginia. Then they fished the Anacostia up in D.C. Then they came and fished with me. Then they went around the southern side of the bay to Cape Henry. Um, and then they finished in Tangier Sound. But they started with, like, trout, smallmouth. Uh, they briefly fished for snakeheads on the Anacostia. And one they had Help out with that a little bit, and then uh, <laughs> they decided to uh, come down and fish with me. We got the bowfin, and then yeah, to they be went fair, around. Snakehead in the DC area is way more difficult than yeah, here. Definitely. We're like the frontier for snakehead fishing. Yeah, like where northern. Well, like Virginia, where they went, that's not like that specific river isn't like a snakehead. Yeah. I mean, it's got a lot of them, yeah. but it's not a snakehead like hotspot yeah. by any means. Yeah. Like Virginia is like. I would say it's it's the point of the video. I mean, it. I hate to say the point of the video wasn't the fish, but yeah. it yeah, was. Well, yeah. It was more of a the people around the bay and yeah. the fish are part of it and the, everything the watershed touches. But like the point of that specific segment was like the Anacostia is like really gross. We need yeah. to like clean this up. Yeah. This is one of the northernmost portions of the bay like well, coming in from DC. the yeah yeah there's like, a lot of people up there yeah they're just talking about how nasty the anacostia is right right but yeah i mean so your segment was on bowfin yeah so that's so yeah that's what we were getting at uh fished you know fished one day got a lot of it on film and then they ended up coming back one more day just to get some more b-roll and yeah. caught a few more fish on film and it was fun it's pretty cool so david graham our buddy that does the podcast and the website and all the stuff with us he um he kind of made a point he he catches big ones in florida and he catches them pretty frequently in florida but they uh they fish for him a pretty different way so they don't have a catfish problem like we do so they're able to fish yeah we can't fish for them that way yeah we can't fish for them up here there's just too many blue cats but he catches big ones on cup bait and stuff, but he said up here is like the only place he's really ever seen where you can catch them kind of on moving baits like we do. I know you probably can't up in yeah. the northern part of the country, Wisconsin or wherever, Vermont. Wherever this like mid-Atlantic area is where it all is, though, because like you see some guys down in North Carolina doing it and stuff, mm-hmm. but like when you get further north of here, like the guys that go up there like Champlain and do it, yeah. they're not catching them on moving baits. They're catching them like sight fishing them yeah. in the in the mud and on the yeah. marsh they catch them on frogs occasionally but they yeah. 
We could go in a cypress swamp and burn a spinnerbait and catch them. Yeah. They can't do that. I would say there. Virginia and like the mid Atlantic is like the center of that Venn diagram. Yeah. Do we have the overlap of the big fish that they have down yeah. south and then the overlap of actually being able to catch them on casting gear? So yeah. it's kind of neat. So any given time you're snakehead fishing or bass fishing. On I think David's things. problem with catching them on like casting and reeling is how dark that water is. Everyone's yeah. He can't like sight fish them like we yeah. can. Their water down there is super tannic. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know, some and parts. when people hear us say we have too many blue cats, if you're not from the, that was my chair. Okay. <laughs> like, what was that? <laughs> it was my chair with my extra tufts. <laughs> it was a hundred percent my chair. Sorry. Yeah. But um, yeah, like when we say we have too many blue cats, like those of you who live around the Richmond area or even just in Virginia or near a tidal river, you know what we mean. Like yeah. there is nowhere on a tidal river in the state of Virginia that you couldn't go and just put a night crawler on the bottom yeah. and catch a blue cat within 10 minutes. Yeah. They're, they're a double edged sword because like, it's super fun catching the giant ones, like the 60 plus. Pe- well, I don't even, I don't even know if I'd say it's super fun. It's enough interest to do it for an, like an Instagram. Photo the thing is like those big ones, the best time to fish for them is when everything else kind of sucks. Yeah. So like the dead of winter when you're not really doing anything else, they're good for a photo and like, yeah. It's something to do. Like, I mean, I, they pull. There's but... guys, there's catfish guys right now that are hating on us big time, but it's fine. To each his own. But, like, as far as we're concerned and the way we look at it, like, unless I'm out there trying to catch the next new world record or triple digit or something, yeah. the blue cat is kind of just a blue cat. They're nowhere near as cool as flatheads. No, they don't they fight don't as good. They don't fight that well. And there's, like, here's the double-edged sword part. The big ones are cool. There's way, There's way, 80 billion way little more. ones in the like five pound and less range to where you can I mean can't. we've got side imaging pictures going next to bridge pilings yeah. where you're like look at all the crappy blue cats one pound blue cats there you there go. are flats I go to on the river <laughs> to snakehead fish where I mean this is not an exaggeration yeah. you cannot see the Clouds. end I mean 150 yard long schools yeah. of two to five pound blue cats yeah over top of each other shoulder to shoulder yeah. I actually saw two blue cats stuck together because their barbs had impaled each other because they were in a freaking school so yeah. thick and they couldn't swim. I mean, this is 10,000 blue cats. Trying to run a gill net to catch oh, God. blue cats. No, trying to run a gill net to catch bait no, to no, catch right, blue right, cats. Right, right, yes. right. Trying to run a gill net to catch shad. <coughs> you see them on the depth finder. You go, that's definitely a school of shad. Put out a gill net. 35 five pound blue cats. I want to kill myself. It's terrible. Yeah, like they're, so yeah. they're, they're a particular subject here that I'm sure we'll talk about in depth one day, but don't ever talk about any invasive species being a problem until you talk right. about a blue cat. It's a good way to tie it back in. Yeah. Everybody is up in arms about how crazy snakehead are. Yeah, I live for snakehead fishing. It's one of my favorite fish in the world to catch. They are an amazing sport fish. Everybody was afraid they were going to set the world on fire. Everything's going to die. Right. Meanwhile, I can't go three feet without catching a blue cat. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, the the bait fish population yeah. is down. Oh, it just c- yeah. could have anything the to do with these blue cats right. that literally are eating each the other now because there's nothing left. blue cats in any tidal ecosystem in Virginia, really the mid-Atlantic in general, is it's, it's overwhelming. And I, I don't know what happens. I don't know where we go from here. I don't really know what to do about the situation, but it is I mean, a it, it, it has gotten bad enough to where the, the state had depletion stocking boats. Yeah. They're shocking boats. Yeah. Going out on certain sections of the river last summer for the past, like, five years. They do it 
a few times a summer, and they kill every blue cat they shock. Yeah. And one of my buddies worked on one of those boats, not going to name any names, but he told me they went, and over the course of three days, they got to weight capacity on the boat yeah. every single day before noon. Shocking blue cats. Yeah, so... I mean... I don't know. They're they're a touchy subject, as is snakehead to some. They're people, a sport but. fish. People like to catch them, but the problem is they don't have any predators here. Right. So, and it's same with snakehead. Like once a fish of like like that gets over like two pounds, there's not yeah. a whole lot. I mean, unless it's another catfish, is gonna. Yeah. Get, but I don't know. If it was flatheads, yeah. I wouldn't be complaining. They're way cooler, but yeah. they're not. They're blue cats, so I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah. But um. But yeah. So you're trying to get a 15 pound snakehead. That's pretty amicable, I would say. That's, that's I mean, we've seen the fish. Yeah. Well, I've told you, we need to team up and go try to hunt this world record down. The yeah. world record it's definitely doable. is swimming in our tidal ecosystems around here. Virginia yeah. will have the next world record northern snakehead. And somebody at the I mean, literally, it could be any day from any day between April and, like, November 1st. Yeah. At any given point, yeah. any day, any year, the yeah. so world they're, record they're could get caught. There. It's just like any big fish. You have to find them, but then you have to be prepared to catch him. Yeah. The average person throwing a frog for a snakehead, if they hook a 19 and a half, 20 plus pound snakehead, they're not going to catch that fish. No, that fish is going to freak out and crap your pants. And then, yeah. That fish is a different level. Catching fish like that, especially like trying to catch the new state record bowfin or any of that stuff, like. It's pure luck when you're dealing with that type of fish. Yeah. Something that's going to go absolutely batshit when you hook it. It's it's going to be a little tricky. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it We'll see. But um, I don't know. We, David and I are talking about maybe going to Guyana this year. We kind of have that on the books. We're going to try to film uh, season two of Havarot's Travel. Air Pima. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think this Paraiba or whatever they are, this Lao Lao, those big catfish. Yeah. Um, There's a bunch of stuff. I mean, I'm down to do whatever, so whatever he kind of wants to do. I'm like, yeah. all right, can we film it? Cool, I'm down to go. But we have a few different things we're going to try to do. I mean, I obviously want to try to land my first like triple-digit tarpon. That's kind of that's, – that's like a recurring goal every year, and it's one that I kind of neglect every year. So hopefully this year – I we'll, feel like if you just put enough time in – like. Just like anything, it's, if you make a concerted effort to try to do it, you'll do it. It's just yeah. everything else gets in the way. You get tied up with every, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. But uh, so yeah, we, there's some pretty lofty fishing goals I think within our circle of people. So I think um, you know, 2023 hopefully we'll have some some big things coming out of our arena. So yeah. We'll see, but think we'll wrap this up by telling a fish story <laughs> and uh this one actually happened last year so i'll set the stage and you kind of just fill in it's appropriate because yeah so perfect if you're if you happen to be watching this podcast as opposed to listening to it or well if you watch you can see what's on the wall if you're listening you don't know what i'm pointing at right now but it is a framed white bass fish print by our buddy rob Choi. That is a Virginia Trophy white bass. That is Grant's Virginia Trophy white bass. I happened to catch one basically the exact same like size. identical to identical. the edge. Like to the quarter inch. Different days, so don't even start that. Yeah. It wasn't the same fish. It was three but, days later. Right. But um, Grant caught Couldn't that have thing. been the same fish because mine came home with us. <laughs> True, actually. 
But uh, so yeah, our buddy Rob Choi does an amazing job with these fish prints. I, it almost makes me want to keep every species, new species I catch to get them to print, but I don't know if I have that much money, and I don't know if he has yeah. that much time. But he does a great job at them. So, like I said, I'll, I'll set the stage here. You can kind of pick up where you want to. But um, I don't really want to, but we'll Both we'll Grant, I, Grant, myself, and our buddy Andy Bagley. This is our third year fishing for him, too. Yeah, it was our, our third our year. third-ish year of targeting white bass. They're another tricky uh, trophy species to try to target in Virginia because they're truly, they're a target, like they're a target. They're a time of year thing. They are not necessarily hard. Yeah. You just have a very short window when you can catch them. So I think of this size, the Ohio river, like Valley, like everything kind of touching the Ohio river or maybe even the Mississippi. I think they have good runs of white bass and like sand bass and that they're called different things in different places, but Virginia really doesn't. So we have nah. one lake that still has them. It's Kerr Lake. Bugs and Island, if you're... Bugs Island, Kerr yeah. Lake. It's down on the Virginia-North Carolina border. And essentially what happens is uh, 10 or 11 months out of the year, they're in the lake, and they're pretty hard to target, if not impossible. More or less everybody just catches them accidentally yeah. while they're crappy fishing. Right. Maybe spider rigging for crappy, and they'll catch a white bass. Yeah. The absolute best time at catching them slash catching a trophy is when they're making their spring spawning run up, up the rivers up the rivers that feed Kerr Lake. So every year we try to do this and it's a tricky thing because those rivers are um, very steep banked. They're narrow. And it's it's not really a fish a lot of people talk about either. Right. So like right. you can't really get a bead on whether they're there or not because most people that catch them just don't care. Yeah, they don't it's like, not like they're posting pictures right. and even the even the bait shops in the area, right. you call them, they're like, I think I heard a one yeah. get caught the other day. Or like if you're stalking Facebook, like they're posted three weeks after when yeah. you caught them. So it, it takes a couple of years to sort of figure that out and know exactly what I mean, we were successful catching them last year. We came close. We caught yeah. a bunch that were like 15. Yeah. But Yeah, that, that brings up another good point about the trip last year. So white bass, as we'll get into, are have been a very interesting thing. Uh, fish species so the they're, they're tricky because all it takes is one good rainstorm and the rivers get blown out. yeah those rivers are extremely steep banked clay banked rivers right. like you spit in them and they get high right 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 so, so you some years you may not even have a chance so we'll, we'll back this up to 2021 we'll talk about that and then we'll bleed it oh yeah, yeah yeah we gotta do the whole stuff yeah, yeah, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll glaze over 2021 so real quick we, i think it was me and andy yeah, when we so, took my boat down there. Right. So Grant, myself, and our buddy Andy Bagwell, he's at If It Swims on Instagram. So check him out. Catches a lot of big fish, too. All three of us are level four master English at this point. At the time this story takes place, I don't think maybe I. I, think I don't I, think we were level fours yet. Not yet. I was because I, ha, I had. Yeah, you were, but me and Andy weren't. Right. We were at like 19. Right. So we're all on a mission here. You guys are trying to get to level four. I need my white bass to mark. Yeah, we levels. all legitimately needed white bass. So. We show up to the boat ramp, and uh, Andy brings us food that morning, and I eat it, and instantly die. I don't feel well, and we're on Grant's boat. I just I'm not feeling well, and something's up, and I have springtime out. I think Andy had to use the woods, the yeah, facilities of the woods, before we got there. I can't remember. It was bad. We started that trip off. We were all in bad shape. Yeah. So, like, it's a two day fishing <sighs> trip. We're down there. We fished the whole first day. I'm like coughing, and I'm like, "Oh, it's my spring out." Okay, this is in twenty. This is in the middle of COVID, and for whatever reason, 
mean, we were fishing and we just did not think it could have it's not that we didn't think somehow it never crossed our minds that it might have been covid yeah well i think we were all so numb to covid at this point but anyway we're jumping ahead a little bit but we had a good first day we caught like probably 50 white bass right whack caught a bunch of them and it's like i get to the point i don't know Uh, what we thought was whacking them yeah we learned anyway uh, i don't know i feel like i maybe didn't sleep the night before didn't sleep well or something but i'm like Laying down on the boat, I'm feeling like. Well, remember shit. we left a little early so we could go get barbecue. Right. Um, went and got barbecue at the best barbecue place in the world, uh, Rise and Smoke Barbecue, South Hill, Virginia. Yeah. Um, don't care what anybody says; it's the best in the world. Um, anyway, so we went and ate there, and then uh, we came back, and it's like, hey, let's get a hotel room. Yeah. So, right, Andy goes home. Grant and I are staying for a second date. We go to get a hotel in South Boston, Virginia, and there's nothing in South Boston, Virginia. Just so you know what kind of area we're in, every there's about 15 hotels in South Boston. There's a lot of hotels. Yeah. I mean, there's I'm not saying they're all nice hotels, as we learned. Yeah. But, um, you know, every hotel that you've ever heard of is booked because the drag race is in town. Yeah. That's the kind – the drag race. Yeah. Not NASCAR. I'm yeah. talking – this is local drag yeah. racing. Yeah. So – Every hotel booked. We're quickly realizing that, hey, we're not going to have anywhere to stay. And I'm feeling like dog water at this point. We I'm were like, coming I, to terms with just going to Walmart and sleeping in the truck. I wanted to go home. Yeah, <laughs> I was true. like, get me out of here right now. Something this is one of the rare occasions where I talked Josh into staying yeah. one more day because we caught so many fish well, the day before. you'll figure out my determination later on in the story. Yes. But right now, I'm like, I feel like ass. I think I'm dying. It had not occurred to me yet that I might have COVID. We sat at that gas pump at Sheets for an hour. I was calling every hotel. Yeah. Nah, man, we're booked. Oh, yeah, we got one room left. Presidential Suites, 800 bucks yeah, a night I'm at Motel 6. I'm like, bro, no. Grant throws his arms up and goes, screw it, let's go home. But, of course. Alas. The one time I want Grant to throw in the towel, he doesn't. So, we end up finding America's Best Value in. Now, when you have that many descriptive words in your... Uh, the immediate red flag was everywhere else in South Boston was booked right. weeks right. ago. Right. But America's best in all the vacancy in the world. When you have that many descriptive words <laughs> in your name. It should give you an idea about what the quality is. So anyway, we find a room. We show up. The guy just hands Grant the Behind camera. bulletproof glass. Behind bulletproof glass. We're like, okay, what the hell? Usually there's, like, some rules, you know, like, hey, don't smoke in the room. This dude's just like, you got 60 bucks? Here's a room key. Right, okay. Well, needless to say, we pull up. We're like, all right, this isn't the greatest place we've ever stayed. Well, we start looking around. There are actual prostitutes. We're we're being watched from the second floor balconies from all angles. Literal, actual, literal prostitutes discussing payment outside front doors of apartments on the balcony i'm like grant we have made a grave mistake <laughs> and we realized we weren't going to be able to get our money back when your so head touches the pillow you're immediately going to get herpes there's no <laughs> there's no way around this so anyway like all right long well, story short we pull the boat up in front of the room i'm like bro we got to take it all out nope you're rushing the story how you're rushing the story grant pulls the truck and trailer this is a motel this is not a hotel. This is a motel. You pull up. Yeah. Right. Grant pulls the truck and trailer into 
to the parking lot, only to find out that the parking lot is incredibly tight at the end of it, in which, like, it's like it sweeps down and to the right to pull out. So imagine we're up on a hill, and to get out, you got to go down a hill. But There's to go down that hill is a 90-degree turn between two brick walls. Cinder block, just freaking out. Okay, well... Grant's trying to make the turn. I'm out of the truck. I'm trying to I, help him. I have an 18 and a half foot boat and a full size Chevy Silverado. This I'm is not a small rig we're trying to turn. to fish Jesus that Grant keeps it together so he can make it through. Because we have millimeters to work with. Well, he didn't tell me how tight it was. No, it was hella tight. Like, we, you could not have fit a hand in between the truck. We made it. Truck. We're good. We're not, not done yet. <laughs> Done yet. As Grant is in this highly stressful situation. DMX had just died. (laughs) Screaming into the microphone. I don't even know if we're going to be. This is our first podcast, folks. If it's blown out, I'll have to adjust the audio. It's fine. It's going to be good. I'm sorry. RIP. DMX had just died. Like, DMX probably changed Josh's life. Yeah, DMX. (laughs) Side tangent. If you ever need the fish to bite and you're having a bad day, turn on DMX. The dog gets him going. I don't know what it is. This was before he died, too. This isn't after the grave, yeah. Juju. No, no. This is his, it's forever. Yeah, yeah, I was on the DMX train, like, years ago. Yeah. If the fishing's ever touched, DMX, NWA, real gangster rap, like, it'll get him going. You'll start catching fish. But besides the point. So Grant is sweating, trying to get this truck and trail, trying not to God. scratch up his brand-new boat. This girl pulls up behind us, and we'll keep everything pretty PC with yeah. what happened. But blasting DMX, laying down on the horn, and I just I screaming am obscenities, the car knowing Grant is about to melt down. Luckily, I kept it cool. He kept it cool. We got it through there. We're like, all right, let's just park the truck and trailer on the back forty in the shadows. Nobody will break in if they can't see it. That fell through immediately. So well, he, we parked over there, and like eight cars drove in. Yeah. Headlights light up the whole rig, and we're sitting there just like look like. Yeah. We probably looked like we were breaking into yeah, the vehicle. Yeah. So we're we're basically sweating, almost certain that we're going to come back with less stuff than we brought with us. I'm physically dying of COVID. Just we didn't like, know wanting. It, yeah, I didn't know, but like I felt like ass. We just it was bad. So he ends up parking the boat, truck, and trailer under like a street light. Out I end up just, I end up just saying the hell with it. I get in the truck, I go and park the boat literally right in front of the office under a street light, right next to the road. Right. Even did the like little anti theft thing where you back one wheel up onto the curb and one wheels in the parking lot. I was like, no, nah, they're not getting it. Took everything off the boat. Took the trolling motor out. Took I mean, y'all took my life jackets off I the carried boat. the Minn Kota power drive trolling motor through the parking lot to the hotel room. We had every single object that was stealable off that boat. Right. Other than my batteries. Well, anyway, we get in there, and like I said, I'm physically dying of COVID. I think I went and stood in the shower for like an hour. I thought you, I thought you fell asleep. No. No. I mean, I might have. In the shower. Um, you, I think you did. Okay, I fell asleep in the shower. That's besides the point. I took a quick shower, got in bed. I used all of America's best value in hot water. <laughs> it was There's brown. That's besides 140 me. rooms that did not get hot water that uh, night. Yeah. So anyway, I don't think they were using it anyway. I don't think anybody there was taking a shower. But uh, we go, and Grant's been asleep for an hour at this point. Uh, I wait, down. we did skip over one part. We're going this real quickly. When we walk into the room, 
the dude that's standing outside oh, of our room, right next to our room. This is the dude that we're sharing a wall with. That he's on the, guarantee you. He's in jail right he's now. He's in jail right now. That dude was on the phone, Prison. not even trying to hide it. He's like, yeah, man, I got my stuff out of there before she got home. You know, there's no way the cops know where I am. Yeah. He's like, is there any chance you could float me like three or four hundred bucks yeah. just so I could get like out of the state before they can find me. Yes, yeah, so two doors down's a literal murderer. That's, There's that's, someone who is evading yeah. the police yeah. as we speak. Yeah. And yeah. we just we got in that room, we closed the curtains, we locked every lock on the door, and I think we might have considered barring a chair. Well I the door. had a I, I had a gun. So we, we were fully prepared. Oh yeah it was in your uh, was in your toolkit. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I carried a Walt bag with a pistol in it just in case you yeah. literally said, go get, go, to work. Yeah, go get my toolkit. Yeah, go get my toolkit. Go get my tool bag. Anyway, so I lay down, coughing my guts up. I think I'm pounding ibuprofen or something. I don't know. But anyway, it's like four in the morning. Every, Sweating to death. Every room attached to us is ours. screaming. So one, two, three, four sides. Yeah. All three sides and the person above us. Actively screaming, actively fighting, fighting screaming, like, children, yeah, whatever. Bad. We are not doing well. I want to leave. I'm sweating. I'm like, I'm going to go turn on the AC unit. I walk over to the AC unit. It is a window unit that has been framed into, into the, the wall. wall. We're in a real good place here. There's no way, like, it's 50-50 shot that place had bed bugs, but we never got them, so apparently it did I go to push the button on the AC unit. Finger goes into the AC unit. Literally I'm, through the instrument panel. I am knuckle deep in wires <laughs> and broken plastic. No AC is going to be happening. So I just get to sweat there for another three hours until we get up to go fishing. It, it we woke up and have terrible. never pieced out of a hotel room as fast. Terrible, terrible. So The good thing was that the most silent that place has ever been was at like 7 in the morning yeah, the next morning. Yeah, yeah. It was a long night for everybody. I don't... We went back and we went back and fished the next day, uneventful. Yeah, left by like three thirty. Didn't get stabbed. All of our no. stuff was still we, there. Th- that trip came to an end. We caught a lot of fish, learned a lot of stuff. Then the rivers blew out. Like two days later, Tested we didn't get to get back down there for COVID. The day I got back, literally, and me and Andy were within five feet of him the whole time we were fishing. Yeah, I was in a truck with him for five hours. Uh, yeah, it was bad COVID too. Like, I, I was nev- down for like three weeks. It was. No, we're not. Gonna, <laughs> no, no, it was bad. Not, some really, we'll do that in the extended cut of the podcast. Pants, like it was bad. There are a lot of really bad things happened to Josh. Yeah, some horrible yeah, things. Yeah. Anyway, but um, COVID. Next year rolls around. Harley's shaking her head. She, it was Harley thought she witnessed a murder. I, yeah, it was terrible. Anyway, besides the point. Fast forward to this past year. 2022. 2022. We, spring of 2022. Go back down there. We fish for a couple days. Perfect conditions. Apparently, I'd picked up some sort of like... Oh, God. Yeah, you were freaking dying again. Yeah, yeah. I oh, got I forgot about that. cellulitis. Of Josh's me. thumb was the size <laughs> was of a grapefruit. Pointer, <laughs> it was my pointer finger. It was four times the size of purple. And I'm like, hmm. I should probably go to the ER, but let's You know how people drink fishing. tea with their pinky out? Josh was holding his spinning rod with his index finger yeah, out. I was just like this. All the other finger. Yeah, it was terrible. So you wonder how I end up catching all these fish. It's because I'm stubborn as shit. But it won't go home. Won't go home. So I literally my fingers throbbing. We caught a bunch of good fish the first day. Grant puts my trolling motor on. He takes it off of the boat. 
takes it to the hotel room, being nice, helping me out, puts it back on, doesn't oh, put the cotter pit in. I put the cotter pit in, but it was wrong. So literally, we didn't realize that the trolling yeah. motor just wasn't trolling attached. The just free balling. It could yeah. have fallen off between the trip back to Richmond at any time. I was about to pass out that night. Totally too. fine. Totally fine. Anyway, that day. Oh, we skipped over the yeah. fun part. We found White Pass. The whole point found big white bass, big white some bass. of the biggest white bass we'd ever caught. The whole point of the story. Yes. Grant catches a white bass. Well, the funny thing was, we some of the guys that we see their pictures and we knew where they fish roughly, and we finally found it's these dudes. Fishing intuition. Yes. We ruled them out. We fished. Every other <coughs> we literally water. fished every other place they could have possibly they been. They were broadcasting that they were catching fish. We weren't doing anything out of the ordinary. We fished everywhere else. We knew where they probably were. I told Grant, I have an idea where these guys are. Roll down river. They're sitting in the spot. Bingo. Puzzle is solved. We know where we, we found them. To catch trophy white bass. Yeah. Guess what? You don't want people to use social media? Don't post on social media. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't see you catch 300 yeah. trophy white bass. Literally posting five times a week. I caught 96 of them by 1115. Right. Like, Granted. He never posted his location, and I already knew about the spot. We had just ruled everything else out. Well, the whole reason we were fishing the One Rivers because we had seen pictures of him literally right, right. at the ramp. Right. Anyway, that's that's how you got to play this trophy fishing stuff for like the master angler list. Take it's every not, piece of information you can get a hold of. Right. We're not going to go there and blow the dude's spot up and no. fish white bass every day. We're no, we don't even say where we catch the fish. Yeah, we just go catch our fish, keep moving. Nobody's any of the wiser. It's no. fine. So sometimes, a lot so, of times, we find stuff on our own. I mean, most of the time, fun stuff on our own. I mean, there's only been a handful of species we've had to, like, really right. social media. You get media help on. from people, like, knowledge and information. You put the puzzle together. But sometimes it's like, okay. I, I can't think of any time I've had someone literally, like, hand me a spot. No. And, and that's the same in this case. It's not like we, they went, hey, go fish here. Yeah. We just knew where they weren't, so we knew where yeah, they were. I mean, there were five fish. possible rivers, and or four possible rivers. And we ruled them all out. We literally fished all of them except this and one. And this one particular place, it's like, okay, well, that's the only place they could be. Yeah. We rolled down so, over there. They're sitting there, beautiful. We say, well, we're not going to get all up in yeah, this shit. Like, we know they're there. They're so. there. We left them their spot. We went, fished everything else around. Kind of got a little shitty with us, to be honest with you. That's fine. It is we fine. rolled down and just being friendly. Like, y'all catching them? Like, he said, no. Don't we, get too specific of who we're talking. Just no. Me. Josh says, don't lie to me, man. He said, don't ask questions you don't know the answer to. Or you already know the answer. He's like, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Like, okay. <laughs> so, anyway, we gave them their birth. Yeah, we you know, they, they they did their thing. We were barely anywhere near them. Yeah, we start fishing. <clears throat> we actually run upriver a few hundred yards from them and fish in some like ditch mouths and stuff. And yeah. So what <clears throat> white bass do is they run out of the river and they're looking for shallow ditches to spawn. To, well, any, any current break to stage in before right. they get to where they want right. to spawn. That's the big thing. Right. Correct. They spawn in shallow rocky areas. On the way there, there a lot of these rivers are heavy current and they use any little. I mean, anything, a little find. cut in the bank, a right. ditch, a pocket, right. whatever. So we're fishing ditches. It's literally where rain yep. has carved out a ditch into the river yep. over time. There may not even be any water flowing in. It's just a current break. Grant catches a big one. We get, all right, awesome. We did it. Grant so, got his trophy white bass. Level four master angler. Nailed it. Like, so we're done. Citation white bass is 16 inches or two pounds, right. which is big, but not like otherworldly but it's big white bass for virginia right. um put the fish on the measure board is like 15 and three quarters it right. was short of 16 but i was like eh, that's a pretty fat one yeah weighed it yeah. and 
we, for whatever reason, had our wires crossed between white perch and white bass. Yeah. Because a white perch citation is one pound, four ounces. Right. They um, look very, I, it was just an accident. First off, they look freaking identical. Yeah. Yeah. Like, without... A big white perch and a little white bass are very... Very hard to tell. Because their stripes on the white bass don't become super prevalent. But anyway, catch this fish, hang it on the scale... Like one point eight pounds. I'm like, what is? I'm like, bro, boom, blew it it out the water. Like done. We took pictures of it, posted it live on Instagram. Like, bam, level four. What's up? Boom, new level. Your post verbatim. There's a new level four in town. Boom, nailed it. Big deal. There's a. There's. We were high fiving. That fish was in the live well. We ended up releasing that fish. Yeah. Why, you might ask, because we called our buddy Andy Bagwell. Actually, our buddy Andy Bagwell, if it swims on uh, Instagram, we talked about him earlier, calls us. Because he saw the post. And he says, dude, how big was it? That's awesome. I'm so glad you guys like, man, it's 15 and three quarter inches. He's like, was it over two pounds? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, well, it wasn't 16 inches. I was like, it has to be 1.4 pounds. I'm like, nah, it's two. I'm, and Josh immediately looks at me. His eyes are as big as dinner plates. He's like, oh, uh, no. we messed up. Yeah, I, I'll take the heat for that because I'm usually like sure. I ask him because yeah. he's the one who always remembers it verbatim. imprinted in my brain. And it's just, I don't know, somewhere along the line, it, like, I dropped the ball. So Andy's like, hey, uh, I hate to break it to you, but that's not a citation. After so, Grant made this post... Hundred people, congratulations, so, dude! Hundreds. This is a big deal. There's not a lot of upper echelon. Or There's upper. like eight people that have ever been a level four in Virginia uh, up until that like, point. Whatever. Yeah. It's more now because they expanded the program. There's more easier species. So there's probably more level fours, but but it's still a huge accomplishment. You're talking twenty species, twenty, 20 different, different trophy species. species. Yeah. A ton. So to catch a new one, any new one you can mark off the list yeah. is just a huge accomplishment. Especially one that we had spent three years yeah. going down there fishing yeah. for. Once like, you get into like the last 12, 10 or twelve, like it's a big deal. So immediately, spirits crushed. Yeah, we're so, we're down at all time low. Still getting congratulations. On I'm getting congratulations Facebook. on Facebook all the way till I lay my head down to sleep yeah. that night. In the back of my mind, I'm like, what am I gonna do? Yeah. Well, the funny. The funny thing is we're sitting in the boat and Grant's like, I have to delete that post. I'm like, wait, wait, let's no, think. No, we got it. one more day. Let's think about it. Can this. we clutch this? If we back out, we're going to look like idiots. But there's but still a chance. There's a chance we come out tomorrow and do it. We just got, I remember, I told you. Our like, whole game plan, we, I said, Josh, we got to wake up at four tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. We got to beat those guys here. Yeah. I said, I don't care if we have to launch in the dark. Their boat's faster than yours. Yeah. Like, we got to be here. Yeah. At daybreak. Luckily, I mean, we had the place to ourselves for like the entire day. Yeah, no yeah. one well, ever showed up. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that busy, but it was just funny because it's like, okay, well, do I delete this post? It's like, no. The goal now was not only clutch. we need a citation white bass, but I'm gonna look like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. now we got to <laughs> double down. We have to clutch up. There's so, so much more on the line. All at of a that sudden. point, we load up. We go. We get to the hotel room. We order a bunch of Chinese food. I did not sleep one week. Determining link. whether or not I need to go to the emergency room because my fingers are going to fall off. I said, I'll get At that point, day. he was not going. We were Grant not going to the emergency the room. We off the boat. We sleep, get up the next morning. Grant barely puts the trolling motor on. Now we're into the next day. Okay. Yeah. We well, get there flawless. We've never really seen white bass doing like people say they do. Right. We got there, and there's white bass everywhere. They're down blowing river. up. 
5.30 in the morning in the fog. Super cool. It's freezing. I don't have... We were just happy on. when we got to the ramp. There were no trailers. I literally have to put my hat hand like in my jacket because yeah. my finger's throbbing because it's <laughs> literally purple. I'm probably going to get septic pretty soon or sepsis or whatever. We get to the spot. We start casting, and it's a slugfest. There's By 9 a.m., we had caught 100 yeah. white I bass. I think it was literally 96 white bass by 9 a.m. Yeah. We absolutely crushed it. was the dumbest fishing you've ever witnessed. Like, if you're from Virginia and around Richmond, you know what shad fishing can be like, where it's just mass. It was worse than yeah. that. Yeah. Or, or schoolie striper. Any, any it was the dumbest thing you've ever witnessed in your life. two at a time. I mean, it's nuts. You're catching them on fly rod, all that stuff. 96. I did not start catching them on a fly rod until yeah. it was about the 40th fish of the day. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I was a half second from just dropping it back in the water yeah. and i said i need to put this one on the board yeah. and josh like i fished it in 16 inches i put it on the board it's 16 and a quarter yeah. i said we did it <laughs> well you gotta realize like when you're catching a fish literally <coughs> cast and the fish you caught isn't like abnormally large i mean we probably like, caught don't waste the time throw it back keep it moving in that weekend we probably caught 50 white bass between 15 and 16 inches and only one of them yeah. was over 16 yeah. yeah it's it's tricky you're literally you're talking about schooling fish and they, they usually run up river in yeah. relatively the same size so when you're catching 14 inches, you're catching 14 you're catching yeah. 15 15. anyway you caught that fish the benefit of this stoked. one spot we're fishing it's a massive area like big eddy for them to sit in yeah. so like you have a wide variety of right. fish that are going to be there well grant catches his citation super cool he switches over to fly rod now he's instantly swimming. so much relief off my shoulders yeah. and then proceed yeah. to catch like 40 yeah. on a fly rod i'm trying like, to catch mine i'm massacre. like surely the fish gods will bless me with a nope. trophy white bass my fingers turning black grant's got his i helped him catch his I, we're in the situation. I'm toughing it out. I'm sure I'll catch mine. We're catching a fish every cast. 9 a.m. rolls around. They shut down. Gone. They are not I think we them. caught, like he said, 96 by 9 a.m. And by like 2 p.m. we'd caught like 105. Yeah. I mean, it was over yeah. as soon as the sun got above the right. trees. So it's like, shit, I didn't catch the one I need. What am I going to do? It's Sunday. We ended up leaving at like. to go back to work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we stayed a little bit while. Well, I had to. No, we had to leave so I could literally go to. We left first. at like one thirty or two o'clock. We didn't yeah, leave. Late. I had to go to the clinic because my fingers falling off. Yeah. So, we leave, go to the clinic, get pills, everything's fine. I'm healing up. I call Andy. That we got because the full moon was coming. Right. I'm like Andy. We figured it out. We can't. We got him. The full moon's coming. Rain's coming. We have to go back. Andy runs a successful business in town he can't just bail out he's got workers and stuff so I, sometimes i have to twist his arm in these situations i twisted a little bit he agreed we go back we left I on think, a sunday y'all went back on a tuesday y'all went back two days later yeah we went back pretty quickly and and we get down there same deal get down found my trolling motor not attached attached my trolling motor i just have to keep reiterating it's part of the story yeah Attach the trolling motor, roll down river, get to the spot, same deal, just ridiculous, lighten it up. I go, boom, catch my citation, Andy's stoked for me. And it, it's, it doesn't, 
get me to a new level. It's just I caught my just, light. No, it's another species. Yeah, though. I can mark it off. Cool. Well, it's like the only ones that really get you hype are like every fifth one. But yeah. in order to get to that fifth one, you still got to catch four yeah. before or that. Or ones so. that are like obscenely hard. Yeah, like difficult fish. Northern pike or something like that. But yeah. so I've got my white bass. Grant's got his white bass. got him to level four. Andy's sitting at 19 species. He needs one more to get to level four. So I I don't know. This is just how I am. If I I want everybody to be successful. So Andy's catching up. I was using an Alabama rig, and I noticed I caught A little two, baby Alabama rig, yeah, like the crappy yeah, one. Yeah, small one. I caught two citations, boom, boom. I'm like, oh, this thing's working. Like, the bigger fish are hitting it. I hand it to Andy. Literally the first cast Andy makes with it, boom, citation white bass. Done. We all catch our white bass. I was able to to help Andy and get paid back for suffering with you for my finger. Everybody walked away happy. You didn't look like an idiot. That was the best part. <laughs> yeah. So it's just... it's Ultimate a, clutch. Yeah, it was a pretty fun deal so we we all i think four white bass were caught between four trophy white bass were caught between the three of us i got two of them andy got one grant got one one of mine it's was the print up. i mean the one josh caught was almost identical yeah, dimensions yeah. to that fish so yeah. so i got a uh white bass print that's hanging here on the wall in our studio that's grant's fish and um the fish that almost never was yeah the the fish that saved grant from looking like an idiot on social media so I don't know. Just an interesting story of gritting out. It also speaks to like the character of the fisherman too, because we didn't have to tell anybody. Like if yeah. you if you were a lesser person, I could have just been like, whatever. Yeah, I mean, well, it's fifteen and three quarters. Yeah. You're talking about a quarter of an inch and like an ounce. Yeah, nobody's off. gonna notice that. But it's it's you do. These you don't want to leave a doubt. I don't right. like neither one of us. We've talked about it before. Neither one of us wants to be the person that has a, like any doubt. Yeah. If you're posting a picture of a citation, I'm going to have a picture of either the fish on the scale where it's legal or on the measuring board. So you can't say that fish isn't what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, just, I mean, this entire program runs on an honor system more or less. So it's like, if you're lying about stuff, What's the point? Yeah. It's not nobody's winning a million dollars off of this. You're not. You just cheat yourself. The only people that care are the people that do it. Yeah. So it's like, wh- why lie? Why, why go fish a stock trout pond and catch four hundred rainbow trout and turn them all in? Why, why do any of that? But it's fine. You know, it's 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 about the hunt and it's about the journey of catching the species and the stories of. Yeah, if you're just doing it for the piece of paper. And to say that you did it, yeah, like you're not, you're missing the point. That's the target. It's it's the target, and it's the it's the final, you know. It's the podium. It's, yeah, it's, it's, that's it's, what you receive for doing it. But it's the finish line. The race yeah. getting there is almost dying of COVID, staying in a yeah. a drug hotel with prostitutes, your finger <laughs> almost falling off, lying, well, not lying, but uh, mistakenly posting that yeah, you caught a trophy white bass when you didn't and you're like oh shit all right do i delete this and pretend it never happened when everybody saw it <laughs> when over 150 people congratulated me great just leave it up for 24 hours we'll catch one and nobody will know it's fine so clutched you know, it <laughs> clutched it up getting your buddy helping your buddies catch their trophies literally handing them the rod and 
like passing the torch and then making a cast and catching their trophy on the very next. Ca- I mean, it's all it's all fun. And the the funny thing about it is literally Andy caught that fish and the fishing shut down like twenty minutes after that. So yeah. it's just all that type of stuff is what goes into chasing trophy fish and like choosing to walk down this path. Like fishing is one of those things where there's so it's like. It's like race car driving. There's so many different disciplines. Drag racing, NASCAR, yeah. dirt track, all that stuff. Fishing's the same way. Surf fishing, kayak fishing, fly fishing, micro fishing, trophy fishing. I mean, there's so many different things you could do. You know, fishing can be anything you want it to be. It can be a relaxing bobber and a worm and going and killing time and trying to find the will to live another day. Or <laughs> it could be throwing all your money at, at chasing to catch fish a, a white bass yeah fish that a lot of people don't even care about and risking your health and your your finances oh, i mean it's like to catch something nobody really it's like cares this past about. weekend you know with white perch fishing yeah. like turned down two different offers to do fishing that i would much rather yeah. do but for whatever reason i keep dragging myself to yeah. chase a stupid white perch the whole reason i'm dragging myself to do it is because when i catch that fish i know I don't have to think about that fish anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, like, it's a good time of year for them because they all get, fish, they fish species up. like that school up. Water gets cold. It's still, though, just the fishing is so boring. It's, but we get down there. We've had some weird weather here lately. It got down to, like, the negative. They don't eat. In negative degrees <laughs> yeah. a couple days, and then it's up in the – Water temps are 50 for The water temperatures are 50 where a week and a half ago there was ice on the lake. Yeah, and – you Needless know, to say, they mark all kinds of schools. Nothing ate. Yeah. So, it, but just that one day trip, I found out the tire to my boat is like ready to come off at any point. The tire to yeah. my truck, I I never stop long enough to like do maintenance and like take care of my stuff. I'm just like constantly fishing, and I don't know. You you find stuff on the fly like that. So boat tire, boat trailer tire almost rolls off. Luckily, um, we fixed it, and then I walked outside yesterday and found the cowling to my eight-horse motor is missing, so that's gone now. Don't know. Was it on the boat when yeah. we got to my house? I don't know. It was dark. I don't know. I saw it was off. I didn't realize it was missing. Yeah, it's gone. It's It flew off. I don't know. It's been on there. You never even took it off. Couldn't tell you. Somebody might have stole it. I don't know what happened. It's not on there now. So now I have an eight-horse that's going to sound like an 80, because <laughs> It's not muffled anymore. I don't know. I just feel like that's how my life just kind of is. <laughs> like, all right. I saw when I got here that the cowling was off. I was like, oh, he must have been messing with that nope. fuel leak. Nope. I was just bragging on that motor two days ago about how it's never let me down, how great it is. But it's still just, not going to let you down. It's going to look ugly. Yeah, it just yeeted my cowling off probably on 95 somewhere laying in the center. I don't know. I know that thing had a cowling on it when we got to my house. We would have noticed that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If you see a cowling in a ditch by your house, pick it up for me. Yeah. But if anybody has an eight horsepower Mercury nineteen ninety six two stroke cowling, we want to send in. Uh, I'll have a PO box <laughs> set up for the next time. You can send yeah. it to I don't know, but anyway, that's uh, that's our podcast. We're sitting at an hour and thirty ish minutes right now. Um, that's probably good about average length. Yeah, it, it's hard to go past an hour and a half. I think it's a lot of talking, but. That kind of gives you the idea of the structure of this podcast. We'll have some updates on fishing news and stuff like that. We'll talk about kind of our latest happenings. And then we might tell a story or take listener questions. If you want to email questions in or just subjects, stuff for us to talk about, um, 
do it have rods at gmail.com um, just put peel and drag podcast in the subject and then put whatever questions we can answer them here as we're filming this and yeah. uh, give us something good to talk about because we'll run out of stories eventually but be sure to check out the other podcasts on the have rods will travel podcast network we have the peel and drag podcast boundless pursuit with david graham species specific with myself and the have rods will travel podcast with david and i so and uh don't forget to scroll around through the website too got a whole bunch of different information on there we're going to be adding new stuff all the time we have the have rods will travel.com website